Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. You know, recently uh, a friend of mine posted some things on Faceplant that were less than complimentary towards Christians in general and in God's Word specifically. And as you might well know or guess, uh, that kind of riled me up. And so my first intent was to reply in kind, which is generally not kind. But uh, something stopped me. Actually, more accurately, somebody stopped me, namely the Holy Spirit. And instead of using my spiritual gift of sarcasm, I was able to reply, uh, speaking the truth in love, which is what we as Christians are called to do. And the reason why I'm saying this is this, I want to point out the fact that this is an extra added bonus to knowing Jesus as our Savior. We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So he does stuff like keeping Willie's mouth shut when he really wants to say something really bad. And also, we all can ask him for the words we need when we have something come up like that. Or you get into a situation that you, you need to go talk to a relative or something like that, and the point comes up that, oh my, I have to share my faith. How do I do this? Well, the Holy Spirit will give you the, the words to say. Just need to rely on Him. And while I'm thinking on this whole thing, I, I think everybody within the sound of my voice recognizes that it's my desire that everyone that I know, whether they are a friend or foe or whatever, know Jesus as their Savior and come to salvation. And so... What this all comes down to is, what do you do with Jesus? This is what salvation is all about. What do you do with Jesus? Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, had a really great quote. Was He was either lunatic, liar, or Lord. And what do you mean by that? Well, either he was absolutely nuts telling everybody that he was the Son of God. You know, absolutely, what a whack-out guy, right? Or a liar, somebody who was uh, saying that he was Messiah for his own benefit. And, and we can think of guys, there's, there's examples like Jerry Jones and David Koresh and many others throughout the years who have claimed to be the Messiah, mostly so they could line their pockets or, or have power. Uh, so you got a lunatic, liar, or you have Lord. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the statistics about how Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. Over 330 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. And the statistics are for a, for eight prophecies to be fulfilled, it's, I gotta get this, it's one in ten to the seventeenth power. So that's ten with a whole mess of zeros beyond it. Is, are, is your, that's the, uh, oh, the, the, uh, the chances. What is it you would say if you're betting? What, uh, anyway, what your chances are of fulfilling that is one in 10 to the 17th power for eight, not 330. Again, scripture, scripture shows that Jesus is Lord. And the great thing about that is by our exception, acceptance 
of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're assured eternity. And man, that's a lot better deal than following a lunatic or a liar. So with that, let's, let's open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we get to share together, get to spend in your word. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray for my friend David and for all those who uh, have hardened hearts towards you. Pray, Lord, that you would soften their hearts, that you would remove that heart of stone and replace with a heart of flesh. And Lord, uh, be with us tonight as we study your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, tonight we are finishing up our study in 2 Peter with Peter chapter 3, which says, Beloved, I now write to you in this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. There's that 330-some-odd prophecies, right? And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, those who don't take God's word seriously, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and that the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But... Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some might call count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in the holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot or blameless, blame, yeah, or blameless, and blameless, pardon me, and Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things that are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You therefore, beloved... 
since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from all your own steadfastness, being led away by the error of the wicked, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's a, that's a whole mess of stuff right there. That's laying it out. Interestingly enough, it was just a coincidence that all this stuff had happened on Faceplant, right? You know, about God's Word being a bunch of baloney and all this kind of stuff. And we read about it right here. Yeah, what a coincidence. God works well. Okay, first of all, it starts off saying, Beloved, not just, hey, you guys. It says, I now write to you this second epistle, which an epistle is a letter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by a way of reminder. He's reminding us of what's going on. Again, uh, both of Peter's letters uh, were not only instructive, but encouraging as well. Okay, verse 2 says that you may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets, that's the guys in the Old Testament, and by the com- commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Okay, the commandment of us. What he's talking about is contemporary to the time. It wasn't just the Old Testament prophets, but those in the New Testament, and it was the apostles. Now, notice he said, us the apostles. Not, I, Peter, am giving you the word. It's the word of the apostles. What does apostle mean? That's one who is sent out. Okay, so of all the apostles, the Lord and Savior says, knowing this first, in other words, don't be surprised, that scoffers, those who do not believe in the word, will come in the last days, which, by the way, we have been in since Jesus ascended into heaven, okay, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Okay, let's go back into the Old Testament. We'll go into the book of Ezekiel. And we're looking at chapter 12, verse 27, where it says, Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying, The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Okay, you know, they've been complaining for all this time that the prophecies have been, well, wait a minute, you're saying the same thing has been saying all this time, and it's just a long time off. When's this really going to happen? Verse 5 says, For this... They willingly forget, they deliberately overlook that by the word of God, the heavens, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then perished exist, that then existed perished. We're talking about the flood, the deluge. Okay. Being flooded with water. Remember, God got a little bit upset with man because man was screwing up royally. And he said, you know, I'm going to start this all over again. Okay. Verse 6. Again, it was by the which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now is preserved by the same word. 
and are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition, which is eternal damnation. That's what the word perdition means. Of what? The ungodly men, those who are scoffers. Um, the word here, remember, God spoke creation into being. There's one other thing that I like to point out concerning the word. Let's look at John chapter 1. I think you'll get this. Starting at the first verse, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Speaking of the deity of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was either lunatic, liar, or Lord, the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay, verse 8 goes on to say, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. We're going to go back into the Old Testament again. Psalm 90, verse 4, where it says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it was in the past, and like a watch in the night. A thousand years like a watch in the night. What is a watch in the night? Three hours. Okay, so you got to figure... This is trying to explain that God, who invented time, operates outside the realms of time. Okay, so there it is, the third watch, you know, like the third watch in the night, which is three hours. Okay, Spurgeon puts it this way. All things are equally near and present to his, meaning God's view. The distance of a thousand years before the occurrence of an event is no more to him than would be the interval of a day. With God, indeed, there is neither past, present, nor future. He takes for his name the I Am. He is the I Am. I am in the present. I am in the past. I am in the future. Just as we say of God that he is everywhere, so we may say of him that he is always he is everywhere in space, and he is everywhere in time. Again, when people say, well, it's people, you know, God, he'll never, wait a minute, he hasn't come back, you know, he's never going to. We're operating outside of time, right? Because it goes on, and here's, here's the key to this. Verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some might count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, there's a big word there, any should perish, but that all, that's all means all, that's all all means, that all should come to repentance. Now, we're going to go back to the Old Testament's Testament one more time, where we are in Ezekiel again. Chapter 33, verse 11 says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
Check that out. God is not a God. He's a God of love. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? You know, those who have recently come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior are probably very thankful for God's patience. Very very thankful for that and saying, whoops, we missed out on that one. You know, if God had only been a little bit more patient with me, God is patient. But there does come a time where later it goes, verse 10, but, again, the large, however, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Kind of the Gomer Pyle quotation. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Okay. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So what what should we do with that? Knowledge, right? Be prepared. And beloved, as as, uh, Peter referred to the people he was uh, speaking to, beloved, uh, it is my desire that everyone is prepared when the time comes that they know Jesus is their Savior. I don't want to see anybody burned up I don't want to see anybody cast into the lake of fire. Hell is a for real thing. You know, you get people that say, oh, I'm going to go to hell so I can party with all my friends. Baloney. You know, a friend of mine said it recently. I'm a literalist when it comes to hell. Hell is not a place I want anybody to go to. I desire that people be with Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in paradise. Sounds like a lot better place than a lake of fire. Okay, verse 11 says, Therefore, since all, there's that word again, these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? This is really a long sentence. A lot of, a lot of, uh, commas in this one. But, okay, how do you, how should you act? How should you be in holy conduct and godliness? And it goes on to say, looking for the hastening and coming of the day of the Lord, looking for and hastening. Exactly what we should be doing is in joyous expectation, right? You know, I like hanging out with my friends. I like, I like projects. I like all this kind of stuff, but I joyously am expecting the return of Jesus because it's going to be infinitely better than all the junk, all the, even all the fun stuff that I've ever done. It's going to be so much better. Goes on to say, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Again, how should we be ready for this? Be prepared. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. The new heavens, the new earth. That's coming from Revelations chapter 21, verse 1. Luther puts it this way. Then no sin or unrighteousness will dwell on the earth. No homicide or murder. No hate or envy. But perfect righteousness, love, and friendship. 
Now unrighteousness and infidelity dwell on earth. From this we should realize what we have lost through Adam's fall and our sin and learn to long and yearn for the restoration and renewal of the creation and for the liberty of the children of God. How about that? Look forward to the way it was before the fall into sin. All right. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to all these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Okay. Blameless doesn't mean sinless. Okay. People need to be able to look at your life and say, Hey, this is, this is somebody who is following the Lord. He makes mistakes. He's an idiot. He sins, but he owns up to it. And he relies on Jesus, he or she, he being mankind. Okay, so verse 15 goes on to say, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Jesus paid the price for our sins. That's our salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, Paul the Apostle. Remember Paul, I think I like about old Paul is that he didn't start off being Paul. You know, he was Saul of Tarsus, a mean motor scooter who was out to persecute Christians. As a matter of fact, when he had his come to Jesus moment, he had the papers in his hand that gave him the authority to bring back these blasphemers back to the temple. And what did that mean? That meant he had the authority to condemn them to death. And on his way to Damascus, he meets Jesus in a very dramatic way. Read about it in the book of Acts. It's pretty neat. He gets this big light all around him, and he's thrown to the ground, and he's blinded. And Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's really great. And Saul's response is, well, who are you, Lord? He recognizes. And from that point on, Saul of Tarsus, who was the Jew of Jew, Pharisee of Pharisees, the persecutor of Christians, became arguably the greatest missionary to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, folks like us, right, in the world that's ever happened. How about that? Okay. And it goes on to say, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you as also in all his epistles. Figure that Paul wrote about 13 letters. Some folks say 14, depending upon whom you try to figure, wrote the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews does not list at the beginning as most, as all of Paul's, pardon me, of Paul's letters. He lists himself, he identifies himself as Paul. Book of Hebrews does not identify the author. Hmm, so what does that mean? 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. Okay, all means all, that's all, all means. God is the author, God is using guys like Paul, like Peter here, to write for him. Okay. It says, in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things 
Hard to understand. Some things, I think that kind of happens to be the understatement of the... <laughs> it's awfully hard for our pea brains, right? Our uh, finite brains to understand an infinite God. Okay, these things are hard to understand. Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. There comes that, instead of being a lunatic, this is the liar, liar, pants on fire, that are twisting to their own destruction as they do with the rest of Scripture. We should be, this, this is a point, we should be like the Bereans listed in the book of Acts that tested the Scriptures, searching the Scriptures daily to find out if what, okay, if what, Paul and Barnabas and the missionaries there to Berea were saying is true. They tested it, man. What we, all of us, not just those of us who desire to teach God's Word, but all of us who are studying God's Word need to look into it. Make sure that I'm not giving you the bum steer. You know, again, I'm an idiot. I'm just a man. And... (laughs) You know, men make mistakes. So test it. Test it. Everything. And how do you test it? Again, we get in this book that my friend on Facebook said was a bunch of baloney. It's not. It's not. Okay. Verse 17 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, we know that We know the end of the age is coming. We know that Jesus is returning. We also know that the end of the world will be coming and that those who are the scoffers, the ungodly people, will be thrown in the lake of fire. Okay, since we know this beforehand, and lest we fall from our own steadfastness, you know, Satan's at work here. He doesn't want us to know Jesus. He's happy with guys who are scoffers. He's happy with people who think all of us Christians are a bunch of bums. Now, that's not to say that Christians are all pure. Quite to the contrary. I always like that bumper sticker that says something about, I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, it means I'm forgiven. Okay, But these are the people that you can let be led away with the error of the wicked. Again, Satan doesn't want us to know Jesus. But, but, and here's the deal, grow in grace. In grace, what's that? That's something that we get undeservedly. That is something that we have received from God. Okay? And knowledge. Okay, which is revealed by God to us in Scripture. Okay? in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it finishes up to Him. Be glory now and forever. Amen. This study tonight really talks about what way things are. I, as my father would say, this is what Trump is. Now, of course, now we got guys get other connotations with President Trump. But this is what reality is. Exactly the way Peter laid it out. We're saved by grace through faith. There are people who are going to beat on you to try and get you to not believe that. But it is my prayer, again, that we all 
grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is what we're doing here. So, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Questions, comments, smart aleck remarks, things thrown at the guy in front of the camera. Doesn't seem like that's going to be it. Again, please, please, please. I, I pray that my friend Dave talk to me because I really would like to share with Jesus. Again, we are not called to be attorneys. We're not called to tell, to argue somebody into the kingdom, which I want to so badly. You know, I so badly want to take some people and shake them. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to share with everyone what Jesus has done in our own lives. And that's my prayer. So, I pray tonight that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.